Today on the show, we're talking about time management. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm your host. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. And this week, Trevor and I are talking about time management. Now, time management, I think, is something we closely associate with our work lives, but it actually can extend very heavily into our personal lives. A couple of reasons we're talking about this today. So first, as it relates to your, your work life, we talked in the last episode that the the single biggest wealth building tool most people have that's listening to this podcast is your employment income. So if you can get good at that and, and increase your pay or, or stay gainfully employed, th- things will probably work out for you. So that that's kind of why we talked last week about procrastination and today about time management. But in general, if you can if you can figure out how to manage your time better on the tasks of life that you don't enjoy and you can become extremely efficient at, at the part of life that has to be done, not the part you, the, you, you end up freeing up time for the parts of life that you do want to do or the parts of life that you do enjoy with your kids, with your family, uh, pursuing your hobbies or interests. So if you can get in those things, you don't want to be super efficient in, in master time management on your hobbies and enjoyment. You want to drag those things out and, and enjoy them as much as possible and you, you, you don't want them to end. So this is about becoming good at the things you don't enjoy in life so you can spend more time on the things you do enjoy. And Trevor, would I be safe to say that we're doing this episode today because time management is a skill that it really does take a lifelong to master? The, here's, the pro, here's the problem I've run into with time management is I have mastered time management in my working life to such a degree that I can't turn it off in my personal life. And my wife has to slow me down every now and then and say, you know, what's the hurry? And I've spent 30 years optimizing and becoming efficient to stay gainfully employed and get paid that I have trouble turning that off. So I've, I've, I think I'm, I'm extremely good at time management and I've been told that, so it's not my, my imagination. That, that's when I've taken it too far. So there's a flaw to being extremely good at time management. But to answer your question, it, does it take a lifetime to develop? I think you can develop a framework uh, uh, at a young working age to become good at time management, but you have to, you have to start developing those skills a lot of people don't, they don't work on time management skills until it becomes necessary, meaning, you know, maybe they've advanced so far in their career that they have a small empire that they, they have working under them and they, and they got a lot of moving pieces and all of a sudden their time management skills are lacking. I think you can start building these right away, first day on the job. So I, I think it, it does take a long time to, it will take a lifetime to master these, but I think you can develop a, a working framework early in your working career. And I, I guess to extend off that point then, how important, how critical do you think of all the kind of skills that you should develop as a person, as an employee, how important do you think time management is among the rest of those those skills that, that our employers and, and that we feel are important for both our personal and professional life? So everybody's seen the job ad that says able to function in a fast-paced environment. Everybody has seen that in a job ad. It, in fact, 
the job ads that don't have that in it kind of strike me as odd. So what they're saying there is, you know, we've had people in this job who can't manage their time well and they have failed. So we're putting this down as a skill that's required. And when I'm interviewing people where I work, I always ask, you know, tell me some of your time management strategies. And you can't fake that answer because I know I know responses if you're just reading it from a, a book or you've actually experienced it because I will respond to their, their strategies and say, which one works best for you? When they respond to that question, I'll know whether they're, they're just making this stuff up or they've actually used these, these in the workplace. So before we dive into how to improve our time management skills, I want to kind of dive just a little bit further into the actual phenomenon of time management. So what I'm about to say next is kind of maybe something our listeners can resonate with our listeners in the fact that maybe they feel this way or they have felt this way. But how do you know if it's an actual time management problem or simply a workload problem, whether we're talking our personal or our professional life? A workload problem is, you know, mathematically, all these tasks cannot be done if in the given time. Like you, you should be able to stand back and say, I, I believe, so in most jobs, de- depending on, on how senior position is, you should have 60%, maybe 70% of your day scheduled with known tasks. You know, these are... They, your your day should be filled with 70% full. And the other 30% is for the stuff, the unplanned, unanticipated requests. So if your day is completely full of planned, defined, known tasks that have to be done every day and you are 100% full, the chances of the phone not ringing and somebody making some additional requests of you is highly unlikely in most jobs. The The chances of a an emergency coming up that 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 needs your attention, the chance of that not happening is highly unlikely. So if your day is 100% full, you probably have a workload problem. So, so look, that's the first thing I'd look for is, and, and you can quickly look and, and say, how long do all these tasks take? If you worked at a job for any length of time, you should be able to just thumbnail, you know, this is a, a 30 minute job. This takes an hour and a half. This typically takes uh, an hour. This typically takes 40 minutes. And add that up. Maybe you can't do it for a day. Maybe do it for a week. And if you are close to 90% full, then clearly you have no room for that phone call. When that phone rings and you answer it, all of a sudden you are behind. So that's when you know you have a workload problem. I really find all of that very enlightening because, I mean, I think it's easy to get caught up in you sit down to start your day or you just you you head to your place of employment and you feel immediately overwhelmed. So I really like how you you really take this overarching approach. And I know, again, this might be something that seems very apparent or obvious to some of our listeners, but others, and, and even myself, I, I feel very enlightened by this ability to just kind of step back and look at the big picture. Because I think it's easy to get caught up in, oh, I mean, I know I've said this before. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too. Oh, I don't have enough time. There's not enough time in the day. And, and I, I like this kind of mathematical way to kind of actually analyze what you have to do and and to kind of more sub, less subjectively decide if you have the ability to complete it all so 
extending the conversation about time management so would you do you believe that some people are more uh dispositioned or readily more readily dispositioned to be inherently better with their time management skills than others do you think it's a personality driven trait or or do you think there's anything influencing kind of our ability or is this all a learned skill no i don't think there's anybody who a personality trait that that i think everybody needs to be good at this the people that are better at it than others, they've just worked harder at it. They, they've seen it as a, as a priority. So I don't, I don't think anybody gets a pass on this because I'm personality A or personality B. I, or, you know, if you're sort of lower in the organizational chart, you don't get a, nobody gets a pass on time management. If you want to advance in your career, if you want to get paid, meaning you, you want to be compensated well for what you do, or if you just want to stay gainfully employed, time management, it, it, this this has been most people's undoing in, in their professional lives. If you've, if you've ever lost a job, it, it's probably because you couldn't keep up. And maybe the job was a bad fit, but time management might have been your undoing. So Trevor, let's now jump into the way. We've kind of explored time management as a, as a concept, but let's jump into now the ways that we can actually improve our time management skills. So for this, we are going to lifehack.org, one, an incredible website we love to utilize. It has a, a, articles about everything, um, just like the, the title is Life Hack. So a lot of articles just for every, every aspect of life. And this article is called 10 Practical Ways to Drastically Improve Your Time Management Skills. It's by Rinkesh Kuraja, and we'll have the, uh, the link to this article in our show notes. So to jump in, to, so the, there's 10 points here. And point number one on how to improve time management skills and increase productivity is delegate tasks. And so this is one where I've seen this countless times. So somebody will have been a great employee in an organization and they get promoted to a supervisor or a manager. And the, the skill they tend to lack when they don't succeed at that promotion is the ability to delegate. They just... They've never had to do it, and they've never had uh, direct reports. They've never had a, a group of people working for them. So they feel uncomfortable delegating tasks. They, they tend to want to not impose on, on, their, on their empire of people. And th- this, is, this, is, this can be your undoing. And, and so you, tend to, you end up with what you were saying, uh, more tasks than can be done in a day. You're, you're, you are 100% full. So if you're 100% full as a, as a manager or a supervisor, you need to delegate some of your workload to your direct reports. And the, the other flaw is, is people who have direct reports and they don't utilize them is they are perfectionists. You know, they, they don't want to turn over a task to somebody else in the fear that they'll get it wrong. And, and they don't want to spend the time to train somebody to do it right. So they just keep doing it themselves. And they end up with a schedule that is 110, 110% full and they have, as soon as that phone rings, they're behind. So this is, the the ability to delegate is a skill all to itself. You could do a whole episode on, on, on delegation. And you might not even have direct reports, but you might, you might have people come to you with problems. And rather than, as a senior employee, rather than helping them solve their own problem, you take the problem from them and you solve it for them. And all of a sudden you just add it to your workload. And you're, you might be doing that because, okay, it's going to be quicker for me to do this for this person than to show them how. But by showing them how, you're, you're avoiding this work in the future. The same 
you know, here's the same problem coming to me and it might come at the most inopportune time. So you can delegate, even if you're not a supervisor or a manager, where, where people come to you with problems and you, you teach them how to solve their own problems as a senior employee. So before we even get to any of the other nine items in this list, would you at all say that number one is actually number one in your books of the best way to increase uh, your time management skills? No, I, I would say delegating tasks is probably not number one. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you have time management issues and you're a manager, this could be your, your number one. But for most people, this is probably uh, a fringe thing, a side thing, something to work on for sure, but it's probably not your biggest contributor. So before you said that even if you're not uh, at a manager level, you can still delegate tasks by taking the time to teach your te- teach those around you who ask your help how to do it themselves. So if we take that and apply it to kind of your more personal life, I, in, in my mind, this could easily be applied to uh, helping your kids or, or helping um, friends or family uh, be able to kind of achieve achieve the things that they're coming to you for assistance with. Yeah, that's a good point. So in your, your day-to-day life of, of all the tasks that need to be done, it, you, if you're delegating things to your children, like maybe packing their, their own lunches or uh, getting ready for bed, you know, depending on their age. But yeah, for sure, you, you can delegate to your children and have them sort of take on tasks that, that you would be doing for them as they get older. And even things, I'll throw out the example of doing your own laundry. I know that, um, not as a very young child, but I know in my later uh, high school years, I know this is a task that I assumed myself. Um, my parents obviously gave me a hand to be able to learn how to do this. But I know that going into university, living away from home, this is a skill that was very much needed. And again, I know it's a very um, minor skill, but it's still I, I use learning how to do your laundry and and keep making sure to pay attention to how long it's going to take. And just those little minor things definitely helps build a, uh, a, a well-rounded indiv- young individual. I, I agree. That That's a great example. But, you know, the problem with building time management into your personal life, so we're, we're mostly talking about building time management into your working life. If you build time management into your personal life, I think you 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 may sort of crowd out the fun stuff with just checklists and, and task lists and and I think it's a whole different skill set to become time management effective in your personal life some of these tr- are for sure transferable but I, I for me personally I would find it difficult to say okay when, when does the work start and when does the fun start you know what what part of my life don't I have to optimize and become super efficient at so there's this gray area where you may end up sucking the fun out of good parts of your life because you're so focused on time management. So there is probably, you know, with the getting up for work, getting ready for school, that's all time management stuff. But probably at the, the back end of the day, maybe a little less time management in your life there. No, and I do have to agree with that point right there because you can't turn everything or it's maybe not the best idea to turn everything into how efficient can I get this task done. You know, I kind of grew up as a kid. My dad used to have this little notebook he carried in his shirt pocket. And every time he pulled that thing out, I knew this thing was full of checklists. <laughs> and, and and I felt like as a kid, a lot of my life was this checklist, this thing that had to be checked off. So I remember asking him as a kid, I said, 
is there anything left on your list? And I was quite a young kid, but I got that when that list was empty, you know, I had some free time on my hands. So I, I kind of, I grew up kind of in that environment and we got a lot of stuff done. Don't get me wrong. That, that checklist worked. <laughs> I mean, we, we, <laughs> we are super efficient, but I, I kind of look back and, and that, that's not a fond memory. So I, I didn't want to raise my kids in a world of checklists. You know, I wanted life to have some fun and, and, and some excitement. Oh, for sure. So number two on this list of how to improve your time management skills is prioritize work. So this sounds really easy, right? You just figure out what's important. But but th- this is a whole episode to itself is prioritizing. And a lot of times it, it's who, who is, so going back to work life. So whoever's made the request kind of will dictate its importance on your priority list. So it, I have a theory that if, if my direct supervisor or my boss, whatever it is they Whatever's important to them is important to me. That is a has been a pretty successful formula for me over my working career. So that tends to take priority. And if if I have something that's conflicting with what they want, then I will actually approach my my direct supervisor or boss and say, you know, is it okay if I put this other thing ahead of your request? So I'll actually seek out their input on my priority list when I think it could jeopardize something they want. But another thing with priorities is don't be afraid to reach out for help in prioritizing, especially if you're new to a particular company and you might not understand the culture and you might not understand uh, how important certain things are to the organization to, to contradict what you might think or your preconceived notions. So you might even reach out to a coworker, a senior coworker, and say, you know, I have some conflicting priorities. What would you put first? To prioritize, it's a skill and experience really is a, is a huge, because what happens with experience, a lot of times people will prioritize things incorrectly and suffer the consequence for it. So, so that tends to stick in your mind. So it's, reach out for help in prioritizing, if, especially if you've got things that are, you know, just stacking up behind you and you don't know what to do next. Uh, reach out for help. A lot of times you could, you know, if you get your prioritizing wrong and you invest a lot of time in the wrong priority, then you have even less time to deal with the thing you should have been working on. So when it comes to prioritizing work, do you have any special formulas or actual physical techniques that you utilize or is just just a mental kind of checklist and reordering that you do in your head? Things that are mission critical to the organization that I, I, I am involved in, things that have I know have a lot of handoffs down the line, I, I tend to work on those because there's multiple people. Like that, that will drive a priority is, is how many handoffs there is and where I am in the handoff process. So it might be a thing, uh, a project where, you know, everyone has a little bit of an input and I don't want to jeopardize other people's schedules in in me being delinquent on my part of a bigger project. So that that's one thing I look at is is how many people are involved in the particular task I'm working on cuz if you if you put if you fall behind in your deadline you you it has a domino effect to people also working on it. So that's one of the things if if it has a lot of handoffs or a lot of people involved I tend to rank it higher in priority. But I'll go back to my first thing. If it's something my boss or direct supervisor 
if it's a task they've given me or something I have to deliver to them, that tends to be a priority, a high priority item. And in the direct sense of the title of point number two, prioritize work and apply it to your personal life. I mean, when we talk about work-life balance, I, I think... I think it could be beneficial to to look at the idea of prioritizing work and and see where it falls for you personally on your spectrum of how how important it is and where it fits into again your maybe family life or 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 your balance between your personal and your professional life. Well, and it's also good to to prioritize to write these things down. You, 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 the, a list of tasks that need to be done. You know, just when I said I don't like checklists, that's in my personal life. But in my work life, it's good to write things down. And, and then you might see a, an issue. You know, these things are conflicting. You know, the, the timelines on these particular uh, requirements are, are going to collide. So it, a lot of times you can write down in advance, either the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week, all the things you need, you know, you need to get done you can start to see, okay, there's going to be a scheduling conflict here and here and here. So you can address those before they become an issue. So let's skip on to number point number three here. And the third way to improve your time management skills is schedule tasks. So where where I work, most people, they, they, they have a email, like a, a company email program. And so where I work, we use Outlook, Microsoft Outlook. And Outlook has email and it has a calendar feature within Outlook. And my organization utilizes that calendar completely. Like if, if you're going to get invited to a meeting, people will check your calendar first because the whole organization can see your calendar and they will see if you're free at a particular time. And, and if you are, they, they, they'll feel, feel free to invite you to a meeting in that particular time slot. So I actually put I, things in my calendar for myself. Like I'll, I'll invite myself to a meeting to fill a time slot in my calendar so nobody else can occupy that spot. That's a way I avoid getting invited to meetings or requests on a particular time slot because I, I schedule myself. I invite myself to a meeting to fill a void in my calendar. So when it comes to scheduling tasks, similar to prioritizing, do you tend to schedule the tasks that are of higher priority or tasks that will take longer? I mean, where, where do you, how do you go about knowing what things should get done in what order? Well, what I described was I, I'm actually avoiding, by, by putting things in my calendar, I'm actually avoiding com- conflicting priorities or conflicting tasks. I, I'm, I'm sort of dedicating a time slot to something I, I already know has to be done. So it's kind of a way of, in fact, forget, you know, the, I said I have a company calendar where everyone utilizes it and, and schedules meetings based on your free, if you're free on a particular time slot, become a calendar person is a skill to it. You know, I say just become someone who diarizes and schedules yourself. Like just get in the habit of using a calendar. A lot of people don't and, and put things in a calendar. So you, a lot of times it'll, it just gives you the visual of how your work is going to flow. And so it, it might be the most insignificant thing, but put it in your calendar because if it's going to occupy time. So this is just a way of, I think if you if you schedule tasks, you put them in a calendar, you get this visual look of your workflow. And you know, you're saying, how do you know if you have a workload problem? Well, if you fill your, if you put everything in your calendar, you'll start to see how long things are going to take and your, your week would, how it fills up. So I think putting in, scheduling tasks in a calendar gives you the visual view of of how much work you have in front of you. 
So it so it helps you manage your time in terms of seeing are you over over scheduled? And when we extend this to our personal life, I I mean I think this is extremely applicable to even um the way we spend money and how we spend money and and just our, our general well-being. I mean if if you're if you look at your personal personal calendar, personal um timeline and and you were constantly going out um uh, with with friends, I mean and, and and again, in in spending money, and and I think it becomes important to really look at what you have scheduled in a week, and how is it? What what is it doing to your to your uh, mental well being in terms of of resting and and taking time for yourself as well? You know, there's an expression, and I said this last week. It's it says we tend to overestimate what we can do in a day, and we tend to underestimate what we can do in a year. Well, I think the same is is you could shrink that down. We we for sure overestimate what we can do in a day but we probably underestimate what we can do in a week or in a month so it's that that's another reason to to put it in a calendar and write it down is because you 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 tend to be overwhelmed with these uh, moving pieces in your head but if you get them on a calendar they stop being moving pieces and they start being fixed time slots so the fourth way we can improve our time management is set up deadlines so a lot of times not a lot of times, all the time, where you, in your working life, there's deadlines to everything you do. Everything has to be done by a certain time. I mean, I don't care what you do for a living. If you work in fast food, there, there's a timeline on when that food has to be served. I mean, everybody has deadlines. And this is the idea of giving yourself a deadline. Giving yourself, and this, I, I like to call this padding your schedule. So, if you schedule tasks in a calendar, don't give yourself the deadline when this thing is due. That's super dangerous because who knows what could go wrong. Uh, Murphy's Law, if it could go wrong, it will go wrong. Give yourself an artificial deadline to shoot for, you know, the best case scenario. And a lot of times you you know in the back of your mind you got a buffer, but if you can hit these artificially set deadlines... I think it, it it can help relieve stress because you know you know your timelines are padded. I think when we talk about setting deadlines for ourselves, I think this is something that also extends to the the kind of phenomenon that we ha- that some of us experience where we have trouble sticking to things that we set for ourselves. I mean, if if anyone if anyone has those, and I I know I'm included in this the sometimes difficulties to to commit to yourself and an easier time to commit to others i think this is it sounds relatively um maybe easy but can be more difficult for again those who who really uh have have experienced difficulties when it's and when it's committing to something you set up yourself you know i remember, I remember when i first started working and this is before computers and i remember the guy I worked for, he said, um, he was telling me about it, something that was coming up next week. And, and he said, put this in your calendar. And I said, I, I'm really not a calendar person. <laughs> and he says, you are now. <laughs> so put it in your calendar. And I, that was probably the best advice I ever got was, um, is, you know, becoming a calendar person. And without using a calendar there's nowhere to put your deadline. There's nowhere to write it down. So back, you can kind of combine three and four. Schedule tasks, clearly you need to put them somewhere. A calendar would be the best spot. And 
a deadline is it's it's time sensitive it's date sensitive it might as well be in a calendar so again you saying you're not a calendar person that 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 doesn't fly i i the calendars were invented for a reason so i say everyone needs to be a calendar person and in the same breath i think there are a multitude of different calendar tools and 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 programs and 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 formats and layouts so i think finding that 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 whether it's an app or a program or a physical uh written calendar i think it's useful to really explore the options and find something that really works with you because i know for myself included that's taken it's 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 taken a while to find a method that actually works well the one on my iphone i have to get an iphone reference in here whenever i can the one on my iphone works great because my phone is always nearby it's, it's something i'm always referring to and i look at it and in notifications so you can set them so they'll they'll pop up like an alarm i i think the, the calendar on your phone whatever phone you're using and, and whatever app you're using that's the best place to, st- to start another one i use a lot is evernote and you can get that for any phone but evernote is a it's a great tool for it's a calendar plus it's it's a it does a lot of other things but it's great for projects or, or we use it for this podcast so we we sort of accumulate thoughts and ideas that we're going to do for future shows in evernote so i would tell everyone to take a look at that there's a free version and a paid version we just use a free version but it seems to work well yeah i really think it's a great useful tool trevor and to extend this again make the link between our personal and professional life when we extend setting up deadlines to our personal life i think the same uh applic- it can be applied in the same way in our, our personal life in that whether we are uh, working towards uh, ridding ourselves of consumer debt, or working towards um, achieving uh, a goal, or 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 anything that's or whether it's paying off our mortgage or paying off our car loan. I think there's these deadlines, these commitments we can set to ourselves that we can achieve things, financial financial goals, financial outcomes that we didn't think we could possibly achieve. Well, a good example is if you want to get in shape in fitness and you you have a gym membership put going to the gym in your calendar put put it in there it, it it's it's a way of holding yourself accountable you you'll actually have to look at that event in your calendar and an alarm will come up saying it's time to go to the gym and you're going to have to say you're going to have to decline that you're going to say no I'm not like so by putting like you say personal things personal goals and we've said this before a lot of the things you're going to achieve in life are going to be the little things you do every day that are going to make a difference. So putting those little things in your calendar, that that's going to make a difference. So let's move on to point number five. And point number five is avoid procrastination. And I think this is, again, easier said than done. Well, we did a whole episode. Episode 107 was uh, about procrastination. But procrastination, it can be your undoing for time management. I mean... This is putting off things that can be done now, but you don't want to do them. And then a lot of times you'll have, you'll have postponed a task you don't want to do until it's conflicting with another task that maybe you do or don't want to do. And now you have a real time crunch on your hands. So I have a theory. If I can do something now, this is kind of work, work in a work world. 
if I have all the inputs to do something now, I do it now. You know, a lot, a lot of times you're waiting for information for somebody before you can complete a task. But if I have all the inputs I need right now, I am doing this now. So, so that that's my rule to, to try to avoid procrastination is if you can do it, do it. What if this request or, or this task comes at a point when you are working on another task? I know this is something that regularly plagues me when I'm at work. How do you manage that? I mean, yes, so you have obviously all the inputs if, if it's a kind of a, a task someone needs you to do. How do you, how do you manage kind of those conflicting tasks? Well, obviously, you're going to work with the, the deadlines that associated with each task, the, the, the more urgent deadline, you're going to go with that more urgent task. And what a lot of people do is they will choose to do the easiest task. And even if the deadline, if it doesn't make sense from a deadline standpoint, they'll, they'll do what, if they have, if they have to choose between two, between two things, even if one is more urgent, but they, they're able to, they have everything they need to do both. They will choose the easiest one first. And that's where a lot of people fall down And the, and the harder task may take longer to do. And the easy one, you, you could fit it in at the end of your day. Maybe that that's an example of procrastination it is doing the easy task, but maybe not the more, most urgent task first. And I know we discussed this in uh, episode 107, but to just to reiterate it, I think the kind of the big part about this is that we do work out the task in our head to be to be more than it really is. So again, like you said, Trevor, you have all the inputs, just do it now because you won't have any longer to kind of stew on it and, and work it up into a bigger phenomenon than it actually is. And for a lot of people, this is their single biggest time management problem is procrastination. That's why we did a whole episode on it last week. This is this alone, if, if you could solve this, you, for most people, you solve 50, 60% of your time management problems is in procrastination, is de- delaying something that could be done now to the future when it's going to conflict with some other urgent request. So this, if you can fix this, you, you may f- be fixing 50% of your problem. So moving on to point number six, and this one sounds a little bit more obvious because it's it's kind of like yeah of course and this this point is avoid stress well and avoid stress is i think people tend to look at work problems and they they grow them into things in in things that they really aren't so if if you can go at a a problem in a you're not right up against a deadline so you've managed your time well you're not up against a deadline you have time to think it through uh, a clear mind, but if you're going at something right at the deadline and, and you're under a great deal of stress, you're just not going to be efficient. You're not going to do your best work. So if you can avoid doing tasks under under tight deadlines, if, if you can manage your time well, you, you end up avoiding stress and you end up doing a better job of, of whatever it is you're working on. And I think this would directly apply to our personal life as well. I mean, taking a calm uh, centered approach to everything you take on and everything you you engage with no i i agree and if you can if you can the more stress you can keep out of your life the better off you're going to be uh from a health standpoint and and everything else but i i just think if you can manage your time well you just avoid stress altogether but if you're working on tasks under stress you tend to it tends to take you longer to do these things so there, there's your time management falling apart 
and you tend to do a, a worse job of it. Moving on to point number seven, and number seven is avoid multitasking. So, Trevor, this is a point where a lot of us, I think, feel conflicted. I mean, some sometimes we feel that we can multitask. Sometimes we feel like we have to multitask. And then sometimes we, we hear that it's impossible to multitask. Where do you fall um, on this issue? So I believe it is 100% impossible to multitask. You, your, your brain cannot focus on two things at the exact same time. So multitasking really isn't a thing. But a skill that is required in the work world is to change tasks frequently. As, as an emergency arises, a lot of people, they get their head into something and somebody shows up or phones and they say, I need you to look at this. And all of a sudden you got to stop, you know, put aside what you had just invested an hour into and re engage in something else and get your mind into a whole other task. And then you're done that. Then you got to go back and get your mind back into this task you were working on before. Unfortunately, that is that that is a fact of working life is you're going to have to change gears. You're going to have to switch tasks on some days, maybe frequently, and it can be exhausting. So don't try to multitask. It, your brain is not designed to do two things at once. But you have to be prepared to, and you want to keep this to a minimum because it really eats into your time management, is switching from one task to another uh, and back and forth and back and forth because obviously that becomes extremely inefficient, but it is a fact of life. So it's something, it, it's a skill into itself to be able to change gears of course, avoid it as much as you can. So I, I know this is often a question that I, pops into my mind when I am working on one task and another task then enters my uh, my horizon. When, when we do talk about switching tasks, I mean, again, depending on the priority and, and the importance of each task, how do you know whether to kind of continue working on the task you're working on and set the other one aside? Or, or where does that kind of um, on the go, on the fly, thought process really start and, and extend to? Well, a lot of times you're, uh, an, an emergency task will come from your, your boss or supervisor, your manager. They will bring you something that this, is, this has become an urgent issue that needs to be addressed. And the way I deal with that is I will say, I'll be more than happy to take on this particular emergency. Just know that, that what I'm currently working on, the deadline in this is now in jeopardy. And are you okay with that? Because that's what you're basically asking. You're asking me to make this thing I'm currently working on late or it's going to miss the deadline on this in exchange for this emergency that you're bringing me. So I think that's the the important thing is is whoever's giving you the... So when you're being asked to multitask, which can't be done, but when you're being asked to, to change gears or switch tasks, the person making the request needs to know what they're jeopardizing, what what's being put at risk by you taking on this this urgent matter. And that's what I try to do. And the art is to do it in a non-complaining way. You know, do it as, as to communicate it as an informative, in an informative manner, meaning uh, be very accepting of the urgent matter because we all, we're all working to a common goal for this organization, organization to succeed. But just in a very calm and informative way to say, you know, this, this does sound urgent and, and I get that it's important. I just want you to know that this here is at risk, that the current thing I'm working on, and maybe it's not even urgent, but you, you just you roll your eyes at the idea of switching tasks because it requires energy and effort. But I, I think you have to get past that and just know when I go to work every day, I, 
I know I'm not going to be able to sit and work on everything as planned. It's pretty rare that some urgent matter doesn't arise. The phone doesn't ring. An email doesn't come in that I wasn't anticipating. That's just, that, that, that's go back to my thing where your, your day can't be a hundred percent full. It has to be 60, 70% full. If it's a hundred percent full, then you're, you're done before you start your work day. So if, if your day is 60% full, you should be able to take on an urgent matter as it comes in. And then how do you deal with, I mean, a, a multitude of incoming requests? And do you, how, do, how do you deal with those? I know sometimes I'll, be, I'll receive uh, three, four requests within a day, within maybe an hour span. How, how do you not, how do you maintain that level of, of I guess, motivation and, and not get overwhelmed or stressed out about the incoming, uh, incoming other priorities that, that are landed on your plate? So this sounds, this is going to sound really technical, but I, I was describing, I use Microsoft Outlook. So an email will come in, I'll read the email and that email can be saved as a calendar event in my calendar. So I'll look at the email and just say, this thing needs to be done by two o'clock. I will save it as a calendar event at two o'clock in my calendar. And just say another email comes in and says, this needs to be done at one thirty. Well, I'll look at what needs to be done at two o'clock and I will have put it in my calendar that it's due at two o'clock. So just say it takes me an hour. So I'll put it, it's starting at one and just say I get another request that comes in and said, this is due at one thirty. Well, I go to save it in my calendar. Well, I can't save it over top of an existing event. So I already know I can't meet the one thirty deadline. So I will reply to the email saying, unfortunately I can't do the one thirty, and I won't burden them with all the details of why, but due to conflicting priorities i can't meet the 130 deadline i'll recommend or suggest when i can you know i might say i can get this done by three does that work for you knowing a lot of people pad their schedules so again i'm putting it in my calendar so i have this visual look of of where it's going to fit and that that's kind of how as i as additional tasks comes in that's how i i can quickly respond to the person letting them know if i can or cannot meet that deadline and that's a really, a really, again, a great way to be able to stay on top of everything and feel, again, organized as your day changes. Because again, work and your schedule is so dynamic. But you know, if I would have went with my original plan when I started working, I said, hey, I'm not a calendar person. <laughs> if I would have if I, if I just run with that for the next 30 years, I probably would have gone through quite a few jobs over the years unsuccessfully. So I think being a calendar person, I give you an example of where I manage my email through my calendar and it, 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 it's been working for me for quite some time. And to extend this point to our personal life with multitasking, do you, I mean, I think in our personal life, whether we, whether we have a family or um, whether we're just doing things around the home, I think we do engage in, in a multitude of multitasking just due to the relaxed nature of of our, of our, of our personal lives at times. So do you think that's where we kind of, we probably bring in the, the level of multitasking into our work life as well? Well, I don't tend to multitask in my personal life or, or even find the need to, even when my kids were younger, I, I just, I didn't overschedule myself. I was all in on, on family time. So if we were doing yard work, I, I didn't look at that as, as a task. I looked at it as an opportunity to spend time with my family. If we were shoveling snow, we you know, my kids would come out and we'd shovel snow together. And if it took an hour, if it took two hours, it didn't matter. You know, it was, it was just time together. So 
I think if you can look at, even if you're doing work around your house, if you can look at it as just spending time with your family, then I think it looks less like work and more like leisure. And yes, I I completely agree with that kind of dual purposing your activities. And this is less effective with teenagers. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> they, they tend to not like that. I'm talking young kids. You know what? Um, my young kids really, for some crazy reason, really like shoveling snow. So <laughs> Wow. We, you we, lucked we, out. <laughs> and not so much as teenagers. So I, I just took what I could get. So number eight is start early. And, and how you start early, it, it starts the night before by going to bed early. So here's how I start early. I, I take the time it takes me to wake up, eat breakfast, take a shower, get dressed, drive to work. I add up all that time and I add 30 minutes to that. And in that 30 minutes, I just spend that as me time. Solitude, listening to the news, reading the news, whatever it is I do to relax. Drink coffee slowly, whatever your thing is. Carve out that time at the beginning of the day and you will get to work in such a, uh, a Zen mindset, ready to take on the world. And I've been doing this for at least 20 years. I, now, it sounds like getting up early, it sounds counterproductive, like more, wouldn't more sleep make sense? But for me, this, this extra 30 minutes has made all the difference in the world. But Trevor, what if I have a family of young kids that I have to get out the door to go to school as well as get me and myself ready to go to work? So I too have had a young family and I I don't care what anyone says. If you add 30 minutes to any morning schedule, it's only going to lead to good things. So you might not get the solitude and the me time out of that, but you will get some benefit of starting early. I guarantee you. Uh, You know, I've seen people... They show up to work, and as soon as they get there, they sit at their desk, they sit down in their chair, and they let out this great big sigh. And they're letting it decide the beginning of the workday. And this is this is them. They've been going from the minute they woke up to the minute they sat in that chair. And unfortunately, the f- first thing at work is not rest time. That's generally go time for a lot of people. There's usually a lot of tasks that need to be done first thing in the morning. So if you're getting there and you're using it as rest time, chances are you're you're not managing your time well. So you're saying if you have a, a kind of a more stressful commute to work, that that time that you had that that morning getting ready will still kind of counteract any stressful time you had commuting to work. Yeah, the commute kind does does not count because that's not me time. That's not you in your happy place. The the commute time that would be on top of this. And do you, so you, do you find that kind of makes a difference between uh, starting your day off on a good note and a bad note? Like, have you noticed the actual differences that, that starting early has, has really um, brought, brought to life? Well, what I've noticed is the rare time where I, I say I did sleep in and I didn't get that 30 minute window, the rest of my day tends to not go well. I, I tend to feel like I'm being pressed the whole day. I, I'm looking for this. And maybe it's conditioning. I, I'm used to this 30 minute of, of relaxation in the morning, but it, it sounds so counterproductive, but it really makes a difference. So let's move on to point number eight. And the ninth way to improve your time management is to take regular breaks. So Trevor, when we talk about take regular breaks, are we talking about, um, the, I mean, when, when, when I think of regular breaks, I think of those sometimes those not very productive breaks you take when you do not feel productive and, and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed by work. And so how do you kind of make breaks a positive thing? Well, I think it is counterproductive to take a break in the middle of a task. 
So if, if you're in the middle of doing something and, you, and you're really uh, making progress, I think the worst thing you do is take a break. But when, when you get a particular task done, particularly challenging one, I think it's good to take a, uh, some step away from your desk or, or interact with some people and, and just take, I think it, you can sort of recharge yourself by taking a break. And it, again, it sounds counterproductive to time management that, that you would not work. But, but just stepping away from work and refreshing your mind and sort of doing a reset is going to make a big difference in, in it, it won't seem like this continuous draining work day. There's going to be these breaks in between. When you reflect back, it's not going to be, I grounded out from nine to five. It, you know, I worked for three hours. You know, in fact, I have a theory that generally speaking, when people are at their peak productivity, you're probably only delivering peak productivity to your job three to four hours a day. There's there's this window, and it's different depending on your job, but the if, if you actually have, it's highly unlikely you can deliver peak performance, peak productivity for a full eight hours every single day. To me, that's unlikely. And, and so I, I believe for me, and, and I've observed other people working this four to three to four hour window of peak performance where you're really grinding it out. That is, you would definitely want to take breaks after something like that. But I just want to say taking breaks is probably what I'm against from a time management standpoint is these predefined break periods where your job may dictate it that you have to take a lunch at noon and you know you might get a coffee break at three and if you are in that environment it's unfortunate because it could really impact your time management your your efficiency so I'm I'm kind of against that and if you can if you have any input over when you take lunches and breaks, I, I would hope for flexibility in that in that department. So the final point and the final way to improve your your time management is learn to say no. So Trevor, how do you delicately navigate this this particular point? Because I mean, saying no in the workplace, depending on who you say it no to, can have severe consequences. So remember, I said uh, I. I sitting in a lot of interviews when we're hiring people. And one of the questions I always ask is, uh, what are your time, time management strategies? And one individual we, we interviewed, his, one of his time management strategies was to say no. And I, I can say with certainty that this is not one you should say in an interview. <laughs> this, one, this one didn't go over well. It kind of left the room kind of silent. You know, it was a group interview, and I thought that was a bad answer. But to say no... so. I have a theory that I, I see people who fail miserably at jobs and I, we, we have a term where we call them doormats, meaning no matter what task is brought to this person, they take it. And then they, and they, they are the path of least resistance, meaning if you want something done, give it to this person. It doesn't matter if, if it's in their department, in their wheelhouse, it doesn't matter. You just keep pouring it on this person and they just keep taking it. And before you know it, they have more tasks than they can get done and they're in no position to manage their time and, and they just, they end up failing miserably, just pure workload. And so to say no, generally just say your your manager comes to you and asks you to do something. Saying no really isn't an option. But what you can say is you can say when you could deliver this request. And 
Somebody might come and say, I need this done ASAP. Well, ASAP is no, I will not accept that. You got to give me a time. And if somebody says, well, I need this in the next hour, you could say, you know what? I could get this done by three o'clock, which may be two, uh, two hours out. And then you could negotiate, you know, they'll say, well, that's too late. Well, then we need to move some stuff around because I haven't got time in my schedule. So saying no, it's really proposing a time that you can get something done where it will fit in your schedule. And if that doesn't meet the needs of the, of the person making the request, then they might take the task to somebody else. So in essence, you did say no. Now, obviously, you can't always, whenever somebody wants something done and you they suggest a time and you always suggest a later time, that gets pretty transparent soon and, and that that's not going to play out well either. But I don't think you say no, but you do say, I think it's just important to not be a doormat to people dumping work on you. I really like that because um, when any of us are are at work and and we get newly added responsibilities and tasks to our list and and, and approached by for either through emails or face-to-face interactions, um, that can get very overwhelming. So I really like this, the concept of being able to uh, just just take kind of more control over over things that are going to hand it to you because it's an inevitable that's going to happen. So being able to to ask when when something needs to get done by is a great way to kind of put the control back in your court and and reduce the kind of the stress of all, everything that ap- appears to be happening all at once. But to make this approach work, it really requires you to have uh, a good grasp of putting things in your calendar. Because if you get challenged on a proposed, you know, deadline of when you might get something done, if you get challenged on that, you need to have things documented showing why the, you know, the, the ASAP is not going to work in your schedule. So you, you can't just sort of be flying by the seat of your pants. You need to have things calendarized and you need to be organized in that sense because you can't just, you know, suggest a proposed time because if someone challenges you, if it's your manager, they're, they're, you know, if you show them your calendar and say, you know, where can I put this, that, that, that's your defense. So I, I think in order to utilize say no, you need to have a real good handle on your workload and, and be, be the manager of your time. And I really like that one point because you definitely have to have a starting base um, to, 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 like you said, to know that you can say no. I mean, it's like when you make a budget, if, if you if you want to be able to create budget numbers, your first step is to track your expenses. So in the, in the same way of kind of knowing what, what you have on your plate and, and the, again, the ability to be able to say, no, you definitely have to kind of start and start now with, with adding those tasks as you get them into your calendar. Yeah. If you're going to push back particularly to your manager on on a request, you really got to be able to back it up. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of the 10 ways that you can drastically improve your time management skills from this article from lifehack.org, which we will have in the show notes. But of the 10 points, is there one or two that you think would be the kind of the game changers that our listeners, if they're looking to improve their time management, could start now and start today and really see uh, a big bang for their, for their time management buck? Without question, scheduling tasks and managing your calendar is going to be the difference maker. It's going to give you that visual look of your work week because you might you might be overwhelmed by 
the task you have and not enough time to do it in, but it, you lay it all out in a calendar and you can start to make sense of it and see how it can be accomplished. And, and then you, you get all these moving pieces out of your head and documented, and, and then you've freed up that, that space to think about the task at hand rather than the task you have in the future. Because once you've got it on your calendar, you can flush it out of your mind and, and then just keep referring to it. You know how with the invention of Google, we used to have to retain so many facts and figures in our heads. Then the internet came along and I don't remember phone numbers or anything. Like I've got all this extra brain space. So by putting it on a calendar, scheduling your tasks, giving yourself deadlines, and it's all documented, then that alone is, you're going to know if you have a time management problem or not. Because in your mind, it, it, it could be overwhelming. But if it's all laid out on a calendar, it, it just, you ex- you know exactly what to do next. You don't have to wonder. And to our listeners, if there's any any tools or tips or scheduling methods that really, really work for you that you'd like to share with us so we can share with um, everyone else who, who listens to the podcast, let us know. Send us an email, connect with us on social media, or submit um, a contact form submission. And we'd love to kind of highlight things that really make the difference for you in your life. So Trevor, before we do end this episode, is there any final thoughts or takeaways for our listener listeners um, in regards to time management? I think it's important to become an, strive to become an expert in time management because you can become efficient at the aspects of life that you don't enjoy. So you have more time for the aspects of life that you do. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's episode on time management. Thank you so much for everyone who has joined us today for this episode. We can't wait to be back next week with a new episode. Until then, keep it simple.